0: Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our podcast studio, Lizzie Rockwell. Lizzie is an illustrator whose artwork can be seen in picture books, magazines, games, and even on walls, and I guess we'll have to talk about that at a certain point. She studied art and art history at Connecticut College and drawing and illustration at the School of Visual Arts in New York City. She is the illustrator of over 25 children's books by a variety of authors, including her mother, Anne Rockwell. She is the author-illustrator of Plants Feed Me, Good Enough to Eat, A Kid's Guide to Food and Nutrition, Hello Baby, and The Busy Body Book, say that fast five times, (laughs) (laughs) The Busy Body Book, A Kid's Guide to Fitness. So welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Curtis. I'm delighted to be here. So
0: glad you're here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your body of work as an illustrator.
1: Uh, Well, I've been working as an illustrator since the mid-1980s. And because my parents were both illustrators in children's books, and um, quite awesomely so in my opinion, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really want to do children's books um, in the beginning of my career. So I focused more on magazine work and trying to get book jackets and trying to do stuff that was either like cool or hip or conceptual, and I wasn't particularly good at that, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, I had a little, um, some success, but I started doing picture books in 1989, and Making pictures for a child audience has really been my career, mm-hmm. the, the primary focus of my career since mm-hmm.
0: then. And was it your parents, you think, that got you down this road, or was yeah. it just something that you always wanted to do, or did you want to do other things?
1: Uh, certainly illustration was um, literally a suggestion of my father when I when I got out of college with a art history degree mm-hmm. and a fine art degree and making big abstract paintings. and. Um no idea of what any of that would add up to for a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my, my father said, "Well, why don't you want to be an illustrator?" And I go, "Oh right, I could do that." And so I went back to art school. I didn't have appropriate training. Um, and I lived at home with my parents and got an amazing, you know, sort of uh, internship mentoring from them, mm-hmm. too, and um, started putting a portfolio together. So, but I have a brother and sister, and they did not become illustrators. So okay. it, it wasn't, you know, definitely the only course that right. someone in my family could take.
0: So it's probably never been said, but I'm sure your parents like you the best. <laughs> no, I, well, I don't think they do. Did, but um, they liked us all the same. Of course. Yeah. Um, so, what is your? You you mentioned big abstracts. What's your uh, favorite medium? What do you usually work in for yeah. doing illustrations?
1: Um, I started out working in watercolor, mm-hmm. which had been my parents' medium, and the the medium very conducive to illustration because you work small you can work on paper where it's very easy to trace mm. preliminary drawings that you've um, you know advanced to the, the finished stage mm. but you can make all those mistakes on another piece of paper and then trace it on to your finished piece of paper without all the smudges and sure. you know tearing up the paper with an eraser mm-hmm. um, and so watercolor is one of the favorite, medium mm-hmm. of all illustrators, mm-hmm. uh, but I've also worked in um, gouache, which is a opaque watercolor. Mm-hmm. And the book that just came out yesterday, uh, How Do You Feel, I did an acrylic. And that was my oh. first book in acrylic painting. And I okay. painted on, um, I'll show them to you later, but I, I have some originals with me, I painted on aluminum composite board. Oh, wow. And I actually developed my acrylic painting technique from doing some murals. Oh, and okay. we can talk about that later, but... Um, oh,
0: no, we can talk about that now because in, in your bio, you know, we said that um, your work can be seen on walls. On so walls. tell us yeah. about that. So yeah.
1: I had done the Busybody book, um, Good Enough to Eat and Plants Feed Me. So I had done these books about wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a director of a public health center, the Norwalk Community Health Center, in the city where I was living at the time, Um, who was familiar with my work, and we'd done some programs to promote healthy lifestyle Mm -hmm. choices for families. Mm -hmm. And um, I had also done a product uh, for the state of Maine about promoting good habits for asthma patients, Mm. a a visual um, communicator. And so he knew all this work I'd done around health, and he got a huge grant, a huge stimulus grant in the beginning of the Obama administration, Mm -hmm. to build an entirely new health center that would better serve the needs of our city. Mm -hmm. So he said when he wrote the application for the grant, he had a line item for a mural.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And he had me in mind. Cool. And so the wall was 28 feet long by eight feet high. And I had never painted Besides in college, where I did some bigger canvases, mm-hmm. I had never painted a picture, a narrative picture with things going on in it mm-hmm. that was wider than maybe 22 inches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I actually tried to get get him to talk himself out of using me because <laughs> it's like, don't you want someone who can do a mural? And he said, you can do a mural, Lizzie. So uh-huh. it was one of those wonderful moments in my life where someone gave me a challenge that was much grander than I would have taken on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it pushed so you to learn more. It pushed me to a new yeah. level mm-hmm. and both technically and um, just in terms of self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it was a great challenge because it was, what do you want to say to a captive audience waiting in the pediatric waiting room yeah. at a community health center? Yeah. So you have um, I remember from being a parent how stressful that was to mm-hmm. wait in a you know, a doctor's office. Sure. Maybe your throat's gonna be swabbed, maybe you're gonna get a shot. Mm-hmm. You have plenty of negative associations with the last time you were right, there right? <laughs> exactly. to bring with you into the room, mm-hmm. so I wanted to create an image that was soothing to the children mm-hmm. and the parents and that also commuted some, something to the public, because this is my first mural, mm-hmm. um, about how we take care of our children mm-hmm. and what we as a community offer in an ideal world mm-hmm. um, to raise a healthy child. Mm-hmm. And so I loved, I knew a little bit about the WPA murals in America mm-hmm. um, and how they, they promoted these social goods, um, these social ideals. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them we look back and we say, well, those are only ideals for some people, not right. everybody. But the motive was still there to tell um, an idealistic story about what society could be. Mm-hmm. So I um, I just had this big free canvas to do that. That's amazing. Um, and I googled how to paint a mural, mm-hmm. and I got on the phone with like the Golden Paints people to get advice mm-hmm. on, you know, how do you make a mural that if somebody writes on it in a Sharpie, they, it could be cleaned off. Yeah. And so I just went for it. It took six months to complete, Wow! Um, and I, I, was, I wasn't I was working every day because mm-hmm. the health center, once it had walls, mm-hmm. um, they opened, yeah, <laughs> so, oh, okay. but I couldn't so, start till they had walls. So oh, yeah, right. I started shortly before they opened and then worked nights and weekends oh, wow. um, on the mural. And That's got, got a few assistants to help me for parts of mm-hmm. it. So, but I learned a lot. I went back to painting in acrylic, uh, which I hadn't done since college, mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful, vibrant, mm-hmm. um, really durable medium. And you can do lots of glazing and layering. Mm-hmm. So I knew when I did the book about children's feelings, I wanted the faces to be really alive. Mm-hmm. And so I could just get the luminosity in the skin and the um, the eyes and just get everything uh, as believable as possible for my reader because I, I needed them to really look at those mm-hmm. pictures. I mean, I feel that way about every, every illustration. Mm-hmm. But different media are particularly helpful for different sure. content.
0: Definitely, one of the things I wanted to ask you, I jotted a note to myself: is how did you originally get into the wellness arena? Because you, you know, you certainly have a lot of your books that are about you know healthy eating and yeah. healthy lifestyle choices for kids. How did you originally go down that that field?
1: Well. I wish it was a more sort of um, visionary, hero- heroic story than it is. <laughs> but it just happened. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about this um, tomorrow when uh-huh. I present um, at Read, Eat, Grow. Um, but I wanted to write a science book. Mm-hmm. I would illustrated some. And I loved science. Mm-hmm. And so my editor showed me a list of topics they wanted to cover in a series of science books called Let's Read and Find Out at mm-hmm. HarperCollins. Mm-hmm. And it was a long list, probably 20 items on it, and I was like, "Oh, food and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to foo- I love to cook, mm-hmm. I love to eat, mm-hmm. I love the whole culture of food. I love everything about food. Um, let me try that one. And so I did not do it to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. I did it because I thought it was... Um, interesting. Yeah, and uh, I love the cultural context of food. Mm-hmm. So, but I was also like sending my kids to school with packed lunches with fluffernutters in them, and you know, <laughs> I mean, I I was not a health food person. Uh-huh. Um, but I was a, I was still a passionate about food person, mm-hmm. and I'd grown up in a culture with a really good cooking mom, and mm. um, and. W- parents who um in their personal explorations went to europe Mm -hmm. and brought their kids with them and we ate a lot of really good interesting Mm. beautiful fresh food Mm -hmm. so my favorite food was delicious fresh you know prepared from scratch Mm -hmm. artistic food but um i also had a sweet tooth Mm -hmm. i also had a working mom who did not you know, have any qualms with packing the house with some yep. ready-to-go <laughs> sweet sure. snacks. And so I just didn't have a mission about health. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I started doing the research in the mid-90s when I was raising young children, mm-hmm. and I got really activated. Mm by what I was learning about the health of kids in America Mm -hmm. and how it was not yet visible, and I was living in Greenwich, Connecticut at Mm -hmm. the time, which is a very affluent community, Mm -hmm. you didn't see any unhealthy kids. Sure. You know, you didn't see them on the media yet. Um, I literally didn't know Mm -hmm. it was an epidemic in Mm -hmm. the works, but a lot of people did in the mid-90s, and there was ample academic work having been done already Mm -hmm. on the topic. Um, and also the impact of uh, industrialized food on the environment Mm, and and the impact of expansion into advertising Mm. and access Mm -hmm. to children as consumers. Mm -hmm. This was all exploding when my kids were young. They're Mm -hmm. now 27 and 30. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't set out to address a problem, Mm -hmm. but, I'm pretty passionate about it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the natural, one book leads to another. So the right. natural out um, outcome, f- you know, follow-up to Good Enough to be Eat would be a book about fitness and movement because mm-hmm. I also knew this was a huge problem for children, sure. not moving enough. Mm-hmm. More TV, more computer time, more fear of the outdoors by parents, you yeah. know. Um, and so I wanted to do that book also as a little you know, amateur biologist. I just love the human body and the way mm-hmm. it works, mm-hmm. and so I'd been fascinated with this as a kid. So sometimes you start out with the idea of what you want to draw, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to draw all those body systems. You know, the the heart, the heart mm-hmm. and lungs and brain and skeletal and muscle, and that it all works together. It's mm-hmm. just so fascinating. Um, but I worked with a terrific editor, Nancy Cisco, who. Read my first draft called Fit as a Fiddle, and then gave me a challenge, well, let's take the word fitness out, hmm. and let's take the word exercise out while we're at it. Okay. And so she really helped me get away from a here's what you should do kind of book to right. you are so fascinating and awesome and worth taking care of, ah. and this is why. Okay. Now so don't just you from wanna a be? different perspective. Yeah. 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 So... Te- helping me get to the point where I could write in a way where um, these concepts these you should do this kind mm-hmm. of concepts would turn into the reader's own idea. Yeah. just by being informed. Mm-hmm. And I got activated by being informed mm-hmm. by working in libraries and reading and doing the microfiche and you know right because books weren't the only thing that were keeping me up to date on these ish- these Stories of wellness for our kids and our planet. Um, it was all very current stuff. Mm-hmm. That unless you, you know, were a subscriber to these trade magazines, sure, um, you know, doctors' journals and and stuff like that, you weren't coming in contact with this. Right. You are now. Right, it's right on Good Morning America. It's you know in Good yeah. Housekeeping magazine. It's, mm-hmm. it's on you know podcasts and all and that
0: WebMD. md yeah, exactly you know, who has access to the internet yeah, can do yeah. that kind of research
1: right and perhaps there's stuff that we're going to find out about later that sure. <laughs> should be dealt with right now oh yeah computer yeah. time and mm-hmm. screen time and, yeah um but i got yeah i just got so informed and concerned and there's a real nurturer in me you mm-hmm. know that was very active and perfectly well gratified when I was raising a family, but mm-hmm. I feel that nurturing towards really all children and particularly vulnerable children mm-hmm. yeah. who are often the most um, negatively impacted by yeah. things like this.
0: Definitely, and while we're we're talking along those lines, one of the um, things that we're doing here at the South Carolina State Library is launching a program, and uh, that's uh, the reason why you're here. Uh, Tomorrow is our kickoff event for our Read, Eat, Grow program, and um, this is a new program that we're doing here at the South Carolina State Library, and this is a statewide initiative, and it's a program that raises awareness of nutritional issues and also it kind of shows how um, libraries can tie in reading with selecting healthy foods and preparing meals for family members. So uh, you know the, these kind of things um, really fit in well with with nutrition literature and a lot of the the stuff that. Um, authors and illustrators like you do and so can you just tell us a little bit about what you're going to be talking about tomorrow at the uh, kickoff event
1: gosh i am just so honored um to be invited here you know I said to my husband, I didn't want to say to anyone, why me? Because <laughs> they might stop and wonder. But
0: Well, I mean, um, you look at your body I of work, and you can really see. I,
1: I I am a good person to talk about this, and I have a lot of passion about it. Um, and what I want to talk to with a captive audience of primarily librarians mm-hmm. is, you know, information mm-hmm. is the beginning yeah. of solving this problem. If Just as I... Was uninformed when I started working on a book about nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, most people are even more uninformed, right. you know, and didn't necessarily grow up with the same food culture richness that I had. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they have libraries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Rebecca was telling me about the programming she's doing around food, mm-hmm. and she grew up on a farm i'm just so inspired and reminded like of course libraries aren't just checking a book out they Mm -hmm. are taking a cooking class and Mm -hmm. taking parenting classes and children are in school five days a week Mm -hmm. um, most months of the year Mm -hmm. but we adults we don't have that access to learning and information but we do at a library. Mm-hmm. And it's free. Mm-hmm. And we just walk in the door and we can be students again. And mm-hmm. we can learn about anything we're curious about. Mm-hmm. We don't have to have a nickel in our pocket. Yep. You know, and it's just it's, it's so inspiring to be you know, just to like hang out with this community of librarians. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of librarian friends. Um, but, you know, it's just it, it's a very exciting atmosphere. And tomorrow you know, I just want to say Let's start with a book. Mm-hmm. Let's see where we go from there. Let's find language to communicate mm-hmm. tricky subjects that is never shaming or mm-hmm. patronizing yep. or boring, worst of all, mm-hmm. um, or elicits fear. Mm-hmm. You know. So let's not talk about putting kids on diets. Mm-hmm. Shame, guilt, fear, all three right. wrapped let's up there. Let's talk about
0: healthy eating and enjoying that process. Yeah,
1: let's talk about food as an emotional pleasure, mm-hmm. the, the essence of our culture, mm-hmm. and um, the essence of our health, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. our life. Yep. Let's take the word health out of it. Let's talk about life. You yep. know, This is what makes us live. Mm-hmm. And so it is so rich with potential. Mm-hmm. And how did it slip away from us?
0: Yeah, you know it's a
1: big it's a big problem.
0: And you think of you know food deserts where you know there are places in a lot of urban areas where you can you can only get processed food, and we know that's not you know that good for us. But that's all some people have access to.
1: I live in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. You used to live in Connecticut. Um, Bridgeport is the biggest, and I think it might be tied for second, but. The poorest city in the state, mm. and so I, um, I'm very fortunate. I live in a very, very beautiful little corner of the city, right near the the Long Island Sound, mm-hmm. and in a you know very wonderful, um, physically beautiful and socially wonderful um, culture. But I'm in Bridge. I live in Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. I think about Bridgeport. I visit schools. I spend time in preschools in Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. I. Shop downtown. I go, you know, to the farmers market downtown. I see the food deserts. Mm-hmm. I drive through the food deserts. Yeah. I see the very visible um, effects of poor nutrition on residents of poor communities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it it breaks my heart and it makes me mad. Yeah, because I don't think it's fair, and I don't think it's fair to a child. Mm-hmm. And it's such um, a
0: such a systemic issue. I yeah. mean if you know because we see increased obesity rates increased diabetes rates and you know what what can you do i mean it's yeah. just one of those catch 22s
1: and it's very easy to just say well the parents have the responsibility there's nothing stopping them mm-hmm. from bringing healthy food home and cooking it and you know feeding their child right but the truth is there are forces bigger than those parents yeah that are working against um, their intention to love and raise their child well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of it does have to do with lack of information. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's something we really can take on Mm -hmm. as a culture and people working um, in municipalities and policy making. And if we really think about it as a problem that we inventive, resourceful, um, compassionate humans Take on, mm-hmm. we could solve it, you yep. know. Um, and I think that a library is one of the best places to access uh, th- the people who need the information mm-hmm. the most. Mm-hmm. And then people who—I'm <laughs> not pandering here—but people who <laughs> want to work in libraries
0: uh-huh.
1: just care about other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't true. have an agenda. Mm-hmm. They're. Uh, they're gonna make what they make as a librarian, and it won't be enhanced by them having an agenda that mm-hmm. will take advantage of anyone. right. it's It's benevolent,
0: yeah, you yeah. know,
1: and sharing information and caring about your community, um, we just need to support people who set out to do that, mm-hmm. you know, in every way we can. I mean, I'm a fan, but...
0: (laughs) And I did not pay her to go on that tirade of how wonderful libraries are. (laughs) They really are. They're
1: oases.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So just changing gears for a few minutes, Uh this is Banned Books Week. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, (laughs) oh, no, but, you know, it's a a time where libraries really talk about and think about, um, you know, book banning because it is an issue, and, you know, there are libraries and, and uh, schools that, you know, parents or community members, you know, request that certain books be removed from the collection. Mm. And just briefly what's your take sure. on that?
1: Um I did have a book banned.
0: And it was probably a really high seller because once something oh. is banned, that everyone wants it. Oh, <laughs> so. no.
1: Well, it wasn't really public that it was banned, but I know it, it did reach it did receive some um, resistance in, I believe, Texas mm-hmm. uh, because a little girl is dressed up in a witch costume for uh, Halloween Day. Uh-huh, yeah. And um, uh, it just... Was very surprising to me. I mm-hmm. didn't really know that was still possible. Oh yeah. Uh, we did not change the book. You mm-hmm. know, we just mm-hmm. forsook whatever um, sales. You know, sure, we're going to come uh, be lost because of that. Yeah. But I think that people should have the freedom to take out whatever book they choose to, and to avoid any book they don't want to read. That's I right. I mean, no one's forcing you to read something that's in the library. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, there are a lot of things that people say and write about that I don't like. Mm-hmm. They go against my ethos yeah. or you know my my values. Mm-hmm. But I think they should be in the library.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for I mean, we're talking about access to information. Yeah. And you know, when when people want to learn something or or read something that might be controversial, I agree they should have access to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's a tricky, it gets into a tricky um, issue when, like, a school has a required reading list. Mm-hmm. Um, um, mm. But, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that in the literary world we have to be aware of and, yeah. and bring to light because that's one of the things during Banned Books Week we, we talk about in libraries. Is, and actually a lot of libraries have displays of books that have been banned. And, um, you know, people who come into libraries look at those and think, wow, I can't believe that has actually tried to be banned yeah, before, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, certainly the conversation we have about books that some people would like to be banned and others would fight hard to not be banned, mm-hmm. uh, it helps us form our social norms, you know, and it, it pushes the limits of the Constitution and what is legal and what do states want to protect as legal in their state and what what is untouchable federally you know so it's great to talk about it Mm -hmm. you know and it's great to test our morals and and values and have conversations Mm -hmm. about it Mm -hmm. but ultimately I just do hope that freedom of speech keeps winning Mm -hmm. you Mm know um I think it's different when uh Content comes out of nowhere. Yeah. So if I'm sitting in a restaurant and the TV's on and I'm with my kids or little kids and right. some violent movie comes on the TV, that's that's. Yeah. That's invading my it is that privacy is and and it's it's um, it's dismantling mm-hmm. the values that I'm creating for my kids. Yeah. You know, so I do feel we can have little more protectiveness about the airwaves mm-hmm. and the internet, and um, but books are pretty safely tucked in until you activate them and take them off the shelf. Yep. So if you need to put them under the the librarian's desk or whatever, <laughs> and I have to ask for it, I
0: uh-huh.
1: I think there's some flexibility there, mm-hmm. but. Let it be in the library for sure. Yeah,
0: that's that's. Yeah. I think that's a lot of people's sentiment too. Yeah. Um, so as we're talking about libraries, since this is Library Voices SC, do you have a, a library-related story you'd like to share?
1: Um, well, I, I will talk about this tomorrow. I I do a lot of my um, less so now than I used to because as a working mom and we didn't always have places, good places in the house for me to work. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't afford to rent a studio. So I would, I had, my office would be in my bedroom or the garage Mm -hmm. or, you know, various places. Um, I have a very nice studio in my house now, but, in those years, I did a lot of my cr- really hard creative work at the library. Oh. So I'd get a cubicle. Mm-hmm. Greenwich Library was awesome. I've also used um, Fairfield Main Branch Library, mm-hmm. both in Connecticut. Get a cubicle, hunker down. Librarians may not like to know this, but I would leave my set <laughs> setup and like go out and get lunch and come uh-huh, back uh-huh. and always sat in the quiet, um, in the little quiet area. Mm-hmm. And um, I was working on good enough to eat and working on the text which took over a year or two wow. before I had something presentable enough to even get a contract even sure. though the editor wanted me to cover this mm-hmm, topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was reading all this information reading big fat books about nutrition I didn't know any of this stuff when mm-hmm. I started out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got like so overwhelmed both with the, the sad social story of what was happening to mm-hmm. our kids and the facts. Mm-hmm. Like nutrition science is very complex Mm -hmm. Um, and I got so tired and hungry and cranky that the opening line to my book just sort of came into my head Uh babies cry when they're hungry (laughs) Yep. and then I start out talking about hunger Uh it's strong signals and then that eating is the most important thing you do each day so Mm -hmm. for an author the opening line is you can't go anywhere without the opening line Yeah. so being being sort of without my own kitchen downstairs (laughs) to go (laughs) distract myself with a snack Uh um, i i was able to break through that that wall of uh the opening line
0: that's great and you know i think libraries love to to hear when people get inspired in the library like that so that's a cool story
1: oh i have another good story of when Uh i was little do i have time sure um we, I was born in New York City. We lived on the Upper East Side of Manhattan mm-hmm. for the first five years of my life. And the, the things I missed when we moved were the elevator mm-hmm. and the water fountains in the parks mm. and Central Park. Mm-hmm. So, But I got to have like a big yard and you know a door I could go in and out. And yep. there was a beautiful library in Old Greenwich, Connecticut called the Parat. Memorial Library, mm-hmm. and my mom would take me and my sister and my baby brother down there, and you know, Hannah would, my sister, very very literate, very bright, three years older than me. You know, she'd run and grab all these great books, uh-huh. and my brother, he was a baby, he didn't you know do much, mm-hmm. um, but my mom said that I would just sort of mope around, huh. and she'd go, Lizzie, what's the matter? I go, oh, I don't know. We can go now, you know, and I just, uh-huh. I didn't like this library. Mm-hmm. And then one day, I was looking through the sh- shelves, and I said, Mom, it is a real library. <laughs> 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 like, a scene in Miracle on 34th Street or something. But, um, and I showed her that they had The Funny Thing yeah. by Wanda Gog, uh-huh. and um, I said, it's a real library because they have this library book. No. And this was my favorite book, uh-huh. but I didn't own it. Uh-huh. I only got it out of the New York City Public Library. Uh. Um, I'm, not, I'm spacing on the, the name of the children's branch. But, uh-huh. you know, to me, going to the library was yeah. the ritual, of going there and finding this one book. Yeah. And to, I probably took out other books. Sure, but, but, but that, that really this one said, okay, this is a real children's room. Yep. It has my favorite book.
0: Yeah, that's very so. cool. That's <laughs> neat. And it was like a little, it's a, something you'll never forget. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that book. Neat. So uh, as we wrap up, what kind of other projects do you have in the hopper?
1: Okay. So my new book, um, um, How Do You Feel?, it was just released yesterday. Oh, so excited. Congratulations! I got to read it to a school full of children in Gilbert um, this morning. Mm-hmm. And I had not yet done that. Mm-hmm. So South very Carolina cool. is where that first experience happened. Yeah. Um, and I'm just uh, finishing up the very final details of a book about community quilting called The Together Quilt.
0: Oh, very cool.
1: And um, it's something I've actually done with a group of intergenerational community members mm-hmm. making quilts that get um, displayed on mm-hmm. permanent display in libraries and a children's oh, museum. Wow. And, um, and so I do that uh, as a volunteer mm-hmm. and I always wanted to do a book about it. And it's been many, many, many years in the making, this book, but i it's really going to be a book next fall, and I'm so excited about it.
0: That's very cool. And it,
1: the big reveal is yep. in a library. so yep. perfect. <laughs>
0: That's the perfect space where it should yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you do some really cool stuff, and it's um, really a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Oh, it's been a joy. Thank you for having me.
0: And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. Until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.